You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Reporting is eligible is proudly supported by Appleton Coffee Company. If you go to AppletonCoffee.com and use code RAE at checkout, you will save 15% this year. Again, that's AppletonCoffee.com. Use code RAE at checkout to save 15%. If you don't understand him, he don't die young. He'll probably just ride away. Mamas, don't let your babies grow up to be cowboys. Don't let them pick guitars and drive them old trucks. Let them be doctors and lawyers and such. Hey everybody, welcome Mama, to Reporting is Eligible. Uh, we just won the McCarthy Bowl. Woo! And we play a game... Again, very soon on Thursday against the Titans, so we have a compressed podcast schedule. We're earlier than normal, and uh, to help walk through the the joyous victory that we just had, first in urban Wauwatosa, we have, as usual... Hey, it's J.R. Radcliffe, trending sports reporter for the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel. Not in my usual no. space here. Uh, are those blackout curtains? They look very thorough. They are. They, they are blackout curtains. I I am just chilling, chilling in my bed, like a, you know, <laughs> like like a podcaster should should do. Yes. Just chilling, relaxing. Uh, yeah, it's uh, it's it's upstairs instead of downstairs for me today. But uh, I think I think the acoustics are about the same. I think we They're should good. be okay here. They work. It, it's funny because it is like watching you in my brother's house. This is like a a, a window. All the houses by Jr. and where my brother live are the same house. And uh, I've like seen this room before. <laughs> <laughs> yes, so. uh, this house does not have as many great Patreon questions as the one for uh, the the one in which your brother lives, the upstairs <laughs> of his bungalow. But but uh, but we, we we can still talk about the Green Bay Packers though from here. That we can. That we can. Um, and and also uh, in Colorado we have. I'm Matt. You can call me Matub, General Twitter Rabble Rouser, and Acme Pack Company Meme Weaver. Different different order this time. Yeah. That's cool. Um, so so we won. Um, I, I I was otherwise occupied while this game was going on. I'm kind of ticked off about it because I it feel was like a it, great it was a great game to watch, it, man. It was a great game to watch. So I wa- obviously I watched the game. I just did. Uh, I feel like it was a good game to watch with everybody else watching it at the same time. Um, which sad I kind of missed out on the, the sort of quintessential Twitter experience since we still have Twitter for the time being and. It seemed like a, a good Twitter watch. Um, with it, it seemed like, like they did all the stuff that we've been talking about all year. Like, oh, right. hey, my, minor interjection by yeah, the way. Yeah. Twitter is shutting down something like eighty percent of its microservices. Yes, if you use correct. Twitter for two, if you use Twitter for two-factor authentication, use another method. Also correct. They did not discontinue two-factor authentication, but they discontinued the service that sends you the the message <laughs> for two-factor authentication. So it's impossible to use right now. It's going very well. They're doing a bang up job over there. But yeah, it was a it was a fun game on the twitter.com. It was it was a it was a riot. Yeah. And they did all the stuff. 
we've been talking about the whole year. They ran Aaron Jones like 26 times, and they ran Christian Watson deep. And when he dropped balls, they threw it to him anyway. And uh, it all is right with the world. It, it worked how it's supposed to. So uh, I I, I kind of loved it. It was such a good game. I wish I'd seen it live. Um, well, and also Aaron Rodgers appears to be back. Yeah, yeah. That I think the thumb might have been hurtier than maybe we gave it credit for. I don't know. Jared. Well, I mean, he, he sort of re-injured it during the game, or at least he, he certainly took a shot to it. So kind yeah. of amazing that he continued to – I mean, the fourth quarter, obviously, is when he was at his best. So uh, kind of amazing that that didn't deteriorate on him. The man got punched in the thumb. Yep, yeah. Like my my non-football-watching wife during the replay was like, he did that on purpose. <laughs> <laughs> and he, he very well may have done it on purpose. Um, but he was throwing dimes. He looked – he looked like young Aaron Rodgers again. It was so nice to see. I, I what, what, where has this been all year? It's garbage. So, um, but uh, yeah, when that when that fourth down pass to Watson, which turned into a touchdown, when it went into the air, I just assumed it was going to overshoot somebody yeah. or you know be be maybe a diving catch if a guy comes back to it. Like we've just we've just gotten to the point where we're so we just expect the worst, especially on third and fourth down passes. And, uh, and there it was. It was a good one. And uh, and they actually came back. The, the Dallas Cowboys, I mean, everyone knows this stat by now, never in their history had blown a 14-point lead in the fourth quarter mm-hmm. of a football game, which, first of all, surprises yeah, me. Yeah, amazing. I feel like we've done it, like, multiple times right. against them. Well, JR, it's like anything. <laughs> it's football. <laughs> yeah. I, go ahead. Finish it, Matab. Go ahead. No, that was the whole. I was using a McCarthyism. Oh, it's like anything. Okay. It's like anything, dude. That Mike Mike McCarthy is cursed. He he's just cursed. Like, of course, <laughs> of course, he he puts him. You know, three years go by in his third season, he has a team that is markedly better than where the Green Bay Packers are at. He's coming back to Lambeau for the first time. He's got to be riding high, knowing you know what my team, this team's this Packers team sucks. My team's going to roll them, and he's got a 14-point lead in the fourth quarter, and they lose. Just tremendous. And Mike McCarthy's own strange play-calling decision-making in the overtime probably plays into that because I'm a little confused what they were doing there uh, when they wound up, you know, putting the ball in Dak Prescott's hands, having him run when Tony Pollard is is bulldozing people. (laughs) I I don't know if he's big enough to be a bulldozer, but he was bulldozing people. When it was fourth and four, I was like, they're going to call a draw because they've been winning (laughs) with draws all game. They had. It would have worked. It would have worked. They absolutely would have worked, and they would have won. It would have gone for eight <laughs> yards. It, it, like uh, they'd already run that play a bunch of times, and it'd gone for like seven every time. Like no contact till the guy picked up the first down. Like Pollard was a. Mo- I I don't I don't get what they were doing. The Packers run defenses. We know what it is. Everybody knows what it is. Mike McCarthy coached it when it was like this. <laughs> same old Mac. Same old. Same old Mac. Seriously. Uh, did you guys uh, freak out at all when Watson did the backflip? Because I immediately thought, like, yes, he's gonna get him. He's gonna get hurt doing that. Um, I, I and this is no disrespect to Christian Watson. I acknowledge that he is probably his development is crucial to the future of this franchise. They're down so bad. Like I'm not even worried about injuries really because it's kind of like, eh, what what are you gonna do? Just they, they've they've already gotten hit with them. I don't think this is a playoff situation brewing, and it's like, well, if he gets hurt, he gets hurt. What are you gonna do if he gets hurt? <laughs> what? We just, it's all about what happens in twenty twenty three, anyway. Fair so enough. I know. Let's, I just, I let's see. I fully did not expect you to go Dolph Lundgren on yeah. that. Like, I mean, I don't. Yeah, packs. I don't want him to get hurt. Like that would stink. That'd be terrible. Three games in a row, he'd have to leave. But 
yeah, I, I am, I am past, you know, a guy goes down in the play. It's like, eh, okay, well, they'll, they'll, they'll figure it out. They'll figure it out. They have no choice. <laughs> ah, he was brilliant. Let's talk more about Christian Watson because I do feel like they could have been doing this all, not all year because he's been hurt, hurt a bunch, but like, this is what you get when you go back to him because he had drops early, just like he had before. Like he, he, he'd put a few on the ground and they have no choice but to keep running him out there because everybody else hurt. But uh, like, this is the benefit of having a guy like that. When you do connect with him, like it's a touchdown every time because he's so much faster than everybody else. So, like the math works out, and I hope they learn the lesson that it's worth keeping on him, even if he's not going to be perfect with the thing. And he also ran good routes. Like it wasn't just nine balls down the sideline the whole time. He was turning guys around. He spun. Uh, he spun defenders around more than once with double moves. It was a beautiful thing to see. He's a good route runner. Just needs hands work still. Uh, he's uh, he get he makes me happy. I think he might be like super special. <laughs> Did you see that uh, Matt Lafleur literally called the play from the Packers Madden playbook? I, I saw saw it because I saw you pointing it out. <laughs> it's just I, I just thought it was really funny that like that the parallels are getting kind of weird. Um, in the Madden Packers playbook, there's a, a formation called uh, Shotgun Bunch with a route combo that looks eerily similar to the one that that Christian Watson got a touchdown on on fourth and long. Uh, I'll bet that you, in the back of your head, you have this theory that Matt Lafleur like ran out of juice and ran out of play ideas <laughs> like three weeks ago, and somebody just told him to fire up Madden, and he's been like pulling like five or ten plays out of it every game so far. Well. What's funny is in that exact situation when you've got you've got man coverage, uh, the that specific play is a man beater, and it's really good against the blitz because your uh, running backs automatically blocking. Yep. And so if you slide your line left and your running black running back blocks inside out, you get all day, and that is exactly what happened. <laughs> it was. It was a perfect call. Absolutely was. <laughs> All right, so Watson with three touchdowns probably should have had a fourth. He could have had like four or five. He was open deep a couple more times where the line let him down, and it wasn't even that Aaron missed him. It was just like he had guys in his face and had to check it or take sacks. Well, yeah, there was a that third down when like him and Lazard were both, both open. wide open. Yeah, either one walks in. Yeah, but what we're talking about ultimately at the end of the day for him is a five catch. It's it's a it's a high efficiency performance which is awesome, but it requires a couple deep balls to go well. And I, I, I guess I, I need to be convinced that this is something that can be replicated. So so <laughs> convince me, Paul. I think the best way to look at uh, at Watson, first of all, is he's a better athlete than they've like basically ever had, other than maybe Javon Walker. And <laughs> Cough, you're missing one. Uh, Jeff Janis, yes, fine. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Jeff, Jeff was a great athlete, if not a great receiver. And... Uh, if you want to, like, we we dwell too much on the drops. Devontae Adams, for his first two years in the league, caught 55% of his targets. And a lot of those were, um, you know, those stupid, he's just bubble screening, standing at the line of scrimmage targets that he would get better at as, as the time went on, but are not hard catches. They were easy catches. And if you want to go the MVS route, he caught under 50% of his passes for the first two years that he was a Packer. Um, he got better in his third year, as a lot of receivers do. Um, and that's just kind of normal for a lot of guys, especially deep threats. Watson is is better than Marquez Valdez-Scantling. He is uh, faster, he is a little bit taller, but he also is more agile. And 
capable of doing more damage deep. Um, one of his closest physical comps, not for hands, but for everything else, is actually Randy Moss. And the way he moves is very Moss-like. He's just, you know, he doesn't moss people. We think of moss, mossing people as grabbing the ball like in front of a defender's head by going over the back of him. He's not going to do that. He's not good at that. But um, he's, I think, always going to be kind of a high-efficiency guy because he is very likely to be catching 20-plus yard passes every time he touches the ball. That's kind of how he should be used. And he's gonna run, is, if he has any separation, he's gone. Nobody's catching him from behind. Uh, there is nobody faster than him on any defense in this league. So um, I, I think that's what you're dealing with. And uh, he doesn't need to get 8, 9, 10 targets a game to be effective. He needs, and he got 8 targets in this game, by the way. <laughs> um, but he really only needs to catch the ball 4 or 5 times. He will almost certainly score on one of those if he does. So that's the kind of weapon you're looking at with him. And uh, the other good part about him is that he, I think, permanently pushes Lazard to the slot. And Alan Lazard is much better in the slot than he is outside. When he's been outside, he's had trouble. Um, he keeps getting pushed out of bounds when he's outside. Uh, and his his overtime catch was a perfect out of the slot, down the seam, uh, catch and run. That's what I want him doing all the time. So. Also, did you notice anything about the other receivers on that play? Uh, I don't know. Were they all blocking? I. That was the first time they doubled Christian the whole game. <laughs> was it? Oh, see, there you go. All right. So as it... Christian being like a designated outside guy helps put everybody else in the right position. So that's also good for the team as a whole. Is is Lazard able to use his blocking when he's in the slot? The it's same better. Way? It's Hell better yeah. to have him in the slot for blocking purposes. Then he can take on uh, whatever linebackers hitting a gap. Um, that's the ideal position for him to be in. Mm-hmm. And he's been pushed outside yeah. way too often lately because he is a bigger guy and they have had people hurt and somebody's got to play there. They also, by the way, I, I ran this last week, they use outside receivers less than every other team. They have a ton of formations that have no outside receivers where everybody is either in line or on the slot. And uh, that can be good for power running, but it's not great for pushing the ball down the field or getting well, good tackling corners out of the play. So um, it helps with just play design versatility a lot too. Uh, I, I I think we may have something here. Like th- that, the game was not perfect. His hands are still a work in progress, but he just toasted people. He he was burning the hell out of a very good secondary. You know who else should stay in the slot? Darnell Savage. Darnell Savage. <laughs> he, he certainly shouldn't play safety again. Because well, speaking with, of revelations, yes. there was one on the other side of the ball, too. Really was awesome. Joe Barry all but admitted today that that wouldn't have happened if Eric Stokes was healthy. Yep. He did. A little confusing, isn't it? Because <laughs> this is the thing people were clamoring for. Yes. Um, so let's praise Rudy Ford before we tear down their self-scouting. <laughs> um, Rudy Ford's on the team for one reason and one reason only, because Rich Passaccia wanted a bunch of people added to the team to help fix special teams. And Rudy Ford is a special teams ace. But Rich Passaccia might be better at scouting defensive players than anybody else on the team is, <laughs> because Rudy Ford's definitely better than Darnell Savage. Uh, he is, of course, like all Packers, a, a Raz superstar. He is a nine-plus guy, though he did not run agility drills. But he's 20 pounds heavier than Darnell Savage, and unlike Darnell Savage, he seeks contact. Um, we always say, like, Savage should be a missile. He is a super great athlete. He should be flying downhill and uh, annihilating ball carriers, going to the ball, catching the ball. 
that's what Rudy Ford did. Rudy Ford just uh, saw the ball, saw ball, get ball, uh, or get guy who the ball is going to. And uh, Oh, my God, that, that tackle. He was like 15 yards deep and came out of nowhere. It was like so out good. Of the frame. Yep. Uh, Darnell Savage is playing like someone who is going to be handed $8 million next year <laughs> for not dying on the field. Rudy a, Ford is playing like someone whose job ends in two months. He is a little bit, yes. Um, it's so essential to be with Adrian Amos kind of declining here from the safety position. Oh my gosh, it is so essential to have somebody who can play safety. And it, you know, I tweeted that it's the it's the 2022 Razul, but it kind of feels like that. I know, I know, this is really just one spotlighted game for him, but he's he's competent, man. And that's you know, it's like Rasul Douglas. They pulled somebody off the practice yeah. squad who could do, or you know, somebody sort of late in the game. I think he afterthought he, on the roster. I think Rudy came off the street, didn't he? Yeah. Well, I don't know. I thought they traded for him, I think, from Jacksonville. Well, one I of, don't remember. One of us will Google while the others talk. Uh, but I, uh, feel, I feel like you're thinking of maybe Nixon. There's so many of them. <laughs> um, yeah, they signed yeah, he, was, he, he was cut by Jacksonville. Yep, so okay. All right. So they signed him off the street. You're right. Also, his name is Jonathan. Oh. Oh. I didn't know that. I applaud him going by Rudy. John Ford? John Rudy Ford. That's even better, actually. He should do that. Um, the, the other thing about Ford is, like, I feel like where he might be vulnerable is um, in like staying in the back, like getting faked out on a, a throw that is supposed to be going in front of him and then losing contain. But like that, that's not really his job. Like Savage isn't good at that. It's <laughs> He's being a better downhill hitter while not giving up anything in the back end. And I feel like him being a sure tackler that can be a ball hawk makes Amos's job easier because Amos, I think, is always kind of caught between two spaces, caught between having to be the back-end guy and cleaning up the mess that Savage leaves in front of him, and that hurts him. It's one of the reasons he has declined this year. Uh, if Ford can actually be a sure tackling missile, even if he's an undisciplined one, it should help the secondary as a whole. Uh, it's a uh, it's good all around. I, I know it's one game, but he's a better strategic fit. I think special teams missile is better than whatever Darnell Savage is, even if it's an undisciplined one. What's even so? I, I I never know the contract situation. I mean, could they are they in a position to to keep Ford for a while now? Like maybe yes. mitigate Darnell Savage down to nothing. I mean, he's a is he unrestricted or restricted at the end of this year? Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm asking. I don't even so know much that. Googling on the podcast. I think I he's know. unrestricted. I'm pretty sure he is. Well, he's so he's 28, which yeah. I forgot that he's old. He is old. He's an so old they'd player. have to give him a pretty good contract to stay. I don't know, man. Like, who's going to sign a 29 year old <laughs> practice squad bouncer around her? I don't know. I don't think he'll be expensive. I think he uh, he'll be a relatively cheap free agent. He, I mean, unless he like has like 10 interceptions for the rest of the year. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it is still just one. Like I know he's been solid. It is still yeah. just one flash. It is, it is. Over the cap has him as a three mil a year player. That sounds about right. That's fine. Okay. And meanwhile, Aaron Jones to flip back to offense. Yeah. Uh, God, man, that's a, that's a good rush defense. They're like a top 10 rush defense. They are. Aren't they? They're really good. They're a top 10 rush defense. Aren't they, they a top five pass defense? Yeah, they were number one coming into the game in pass defense. Oh, my God. Wow. Um, they were, I think, ninth <laughs> in run defense coming into the game. Um, and so that is the way to attack them. But they've been good the entire season up until their last game. The Bears did get to them a little bit, although 
Justin Fields is kind of an X factor there. Um, there are not a lot of teams like that. The Packers are certainly not one of them. I think just having a standard running back attack do what Aaron Jones did is really, really impressive. Uh, I, I, I don't know that you could have a better performance except next week against the number one run defense in football, and we'll see how that, that goes. Um, <laughs> but he was, he was amazing. I thought that he was going to have another kind of down performance, and they did all, again, they did what we've been asking. They gave him the majority of the carries, and he rewarded them for it like just ripping off seven yards a pop it was a beautiful thing i mean aaron Rodgers only completed 14 passes in this game which is also kind of incredible he, he ended he ended the first half with six right yeah or six attempts six, six attempts just and then dylan i think is was a compliment in a lesser you know workload capacity well, dylan think, looked like himself yeah that i was... think they both had the same jones and dylan were both like 5.5 5.6 per carry it was good it was great great balance well not balance but you know what i mean yeah, they were both doing their thing and being effective at it for the first time all season. So, I feel and like there Aaron were fewer of those stupid RPOs in this game, which I think was a big part of that. I, I, Dylan, it's really a disservice to him starting him from the shotgun back there. It really robs him of a lot of, of power. Um, he should be going forward when he hits people all the time. And I, if they never run that stupid thing again, I will not be unhappy about it. I, I've grown to really hate their RPO game. So There was a... Uh... There was a play where uh, they were like in the I formation with Dylan and it ended up being a play action. And there was like a free rusher coming off the edge and Dylan came off the play action and just stonewalled him. Yep. And it was like, oh, yeah, when you give 270 pounds a dude a running head start, he's going to be able to stonewall somebody. Yep. And it's like, man, like I've like maybe that's where his his blocking has been pours like he's not a shotgun blocker yeah but i don't know if this stat includes rpo play action or is just regular play action but i know they ran a lot more regular play action than they used to and off play action against dallas aaron was 9 of 11 for 148 yards and two touchdowns Sheesh. Uh, so uh nine of his 14 completions were off play action of some kind and uh did a lot of his damage that way i just don't understand why it took them so long to get here you know you try to isolate what i mean it They lost five in a row. There was plenty of moments different, and, and it didn't happen. So I, I don't understand what switch flipped that enabled them to hang and then subsequently beat a quality football team. They, they read the tweets. They read the tweets. Well, <laughs> they, they should I, have been reading them for the last three weeks. I actually do wonder if it was if this is the desperation moment where you know there or even a like a give up moment where going into this game their playoff chances were like two percent they're now it was less than one i think yeah they're now not terrible uh i mean they're they're, 20 they're terrible but they're not you know they're now somewhat realistic (laughs) whereas they weren't last week (laughs) um and i do wonder if they were just like oh gotta figure out something or experiment or whatever and that's what happened um you know genius of desperation um but it's it's dumb it's it's i feel like their their self-scouting is pretty terrible they have and, and still Amari is out there almost killing games, uh, even at, at this very moment, probably. But they, did you guys, did you guys hear what Basachi said today? No. What did he uh, was like, I re- he's like, I really like Amari Rogers. He just puts the ball on the ground a little too much. <laughs> like, what, what do you mean you like him? Like, I, I'm sure he's a nice guy, but like, he has five fumbles in 20 returns. It's really something. There's a 25% chance he's going to fumble. And you know, forget the fumbles. Forget them. 
what does he give you? Like yeah. the, even if even if he hangs out of the ball, we it's like the 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 scene from Little Big League when when they get excited about the the seeing eye single. You know, it's like he gets a 15 yard return and you're like, hey, that's progress. You know, like <laughs> what are they what are they giving up on? Yes, you're right. Little little big league. That's a default. Cut. Yes. But you're right. He's not good at anything. He he's not he's not fast. He's not shifty. His hands are bad. He's not good at offense. <laughs> he, he gives you nothing. There's no reason to have him on the team. Uh, I right before the season that I and thought he'd be is. cut. Well, and he he should have been cut. Yeah, the only reason is that they just don't have a lot of receivers. They need bodies, and I I still think I, I, at some point that's not that's not a good enough reason. But yeah, I don't know, man. I, there's got to be back there. There's got to be some aged veteran sitting on his couch who's better than than Amari Rogers. Tyler Davis. Is this all because is this all because Randall Cobb is his friend? Is that are they friends? Oh yeah, he's friends with his dad or something. Yeah, right? yeah, that's right. Ugh. I don't know, man, but Keishawn Nixon, who clearly is is new on some aspects of this, what you what you had with him was visible confidence. Yeah. I mean, not necessarily good all the time. I mean, like he did the, the Deshaun Jackson loaf of bread carry. <laughs> he did. <do> that. <laughs> but that there's was... there's a confidence there that we have not seen in returns. Well, pump returns and anything. Get a little extra yeah. hitch in his giddy up. <laughs> anyway, they got to kill that, and I think they, I think Passaccia is now going to do that, um, and we will not see that again. So that fixes that too. So yay. Um, uh, but I, I can't believe they let it go on this long, and I can't believe he almost cost them a game. Oh, by the way, he's cost them uh, on fumbling so far uh, about a quarter of a win. Um, I'm in the process of adding up whether his fumbles outweigh his eight receptions and they do i can just tell you right now because his receptions are never that useful but uh, he's fumbling has cost him about a quarter of a win in total so um, that's a lot when you barely ever touch the ball we have talked before about how special teams is the skill that doesn't need a whole lot of development because you're not going to get it anyway it's going to be randos for the most part so your special teams coach you can usually tell pretty quickly what they bring to the table or what if they're going to make it work uh, so I guess I'm curious what you guys think of Versace at this point because it hasn't really worked, uh, and it's, it's <laughs> nope. it, it could maybe get tweaked here or there. But like uh, at the risk of being the malcontent, you know, like clamoring constantly for every special teams coach to be fired because it feels like that's how it's been in Green Bay for the last decade and a half. But I, I don't know if it's worth the extra money. You know, they they famously paid Versace more to sort of solve this problem, and I'm not sure we're seeing it. I I don't know. I, I think. There are some problems that are not Bisaccia, and then there are some that are. And um, it makes him look a little worse than he otherwise would. For instance, Mason Crosby being injured and old um, is detrimental to kickoffs when he did them. And um, it hurts his field goals a little bit. Uh, not that I expect him to be making 54 yarders. That was a dumb call, but... Um, <laughs> well, it, they said that he made a 55 in practice, which is like, not good. Cares? Like you should, be, you need better hyperbole in practice if you're going to try that kick. You need to be. Well, he said that he said that he made he made 55 in that direction in warmups, and uh, I think they told him to rush his kick or something like that, and that was his problem. Uh, yes, but that's that's Bisaccia kind of diving on his sword. I think it is. Um, one Bisaccia thing though is Pat, uh, Pat O'Donnell still leads the league. Not not the punter himself, but. The punt protection is allowing the most pressures in the league uh, on punts. That's, I think, a Basaccia problem. That is um, 
something alignment wise you should be able to get that to average pretty easily um but there are i think like do you think it's him that's sticking amari rogers out there all the time i kind of don't I, I don't know, man. Like he's he's taken personal responsibility every single time it's brought up. In yeah, a I kind of feel like conference. that's his job, though. Um. <laughs> I guess. Um, before we move on from special teams, why the hell would you sign a kickoff specialist who can't kick it out the end zone? It was weird. Uh, I do feel like the Lambo turf was doing a disservice to a lot of people as well. Um, he did fall down on one of his kickoffs. It was almost brilliant on accident. Uh, the, the secret, like. The Packers aren't getting bounces moment when like if the Vikings would have done this, it would have been like a touchdown for them when when that guy fell down on that kickoff and it like went into the end zone by like an inch and uh, the Cowboy fielded it and was like, what? Blow the whistle, stupid ref. I'm going to get hit back here. Um, <laughs> but, <laughs> but but like that, that would have been like it, just an inch shorter. It would have been a brilliant play. The Packers would have either recovered it or gotten a safety out of it. So. Mm-hmm. Or... Uh... Deguara actually like walked over to him and knocked it out of his hands. hands yeah. <laughs> like, wow. <laughs> oh. But it was, but yeah, I just, I still don't get right. like, it was like a kickoff specialist should just be an automatic touchback. That's the whole point. <laughs> yes. What am I paying you for? You have one job, you know, that kind of thing. Oh, well. All right. So you're feeling pretty good about Aaron Rodgers' performance to, to revisit that for a second. Uh, yeah. He was good. He was mobile. He threw much better than he has in a while. Um, even throwing back shoulders to a stupid idiot Sammy Watkins in the only spot he could possibly catch it. Uh, just, uh, I think, a virtuoso quarterback performance, even though he didn't have to throw that much. He he looked young. He looked good. <laughs> there were two passes to Watson that it was like, that dude did not know his ass from a hole in the ground. Like, there was one, the the deep bomb where... He stopped running. Pretty sure, well, I'm pretty sure Watson didn't even think he threw it. I think that's right. And it was like, and then was like, oh, God, the ball. <laughs> um, and then there was one that was very obviously Rodgers was going for a back shoulder and and Watson cut it inside. Yep. Yep. But other than that. What about the rage at the end of the game at, directed at, at LaFleur? What do you think of that? Uh, that was warranted. Yeah, I'm with I'm on Aaron's side on that one. I agree. Mm-hmm. That was too conservative. <laughs> I, uh, that was too cute. I, I know what they were going for. They wanted to get into field goal range, but if they failed, they didn't want to leave enough time for the Cowboys to get into field goal range themselves. Um, so I get what they were going for there, but that was too conservative. They needed uh, they needed to, to try down the field, not down the field like bomb, but like a 10 or 12 or 15-yard pass as part of the plays there to actually move it out, get it into a safer area of the field, and they just ran out of time and then chickened out. And uh, Aaron's right. That was... Uh, it was cowardly. It almost cost them the game. Like it's better to have the ball in your hands, uh, not in overtime, needing any score to win, versus the coin flip. At the coin flip, you might not ever get the ball back, and the Cowboys got it first, and they got lucky. It could have been one of those Aaron never gets the ball in overtime moments very, very easily. And then maybe we're talking about a huge Aaron post game temper tantrum for not uh, for taking the ball out of his hands. So thank God for that. But then again, it, the Cowboys did not have a chance to uh, to mount a tying, to mount anything more in regulation. So I guess if that was their goal, it's sort of achieved. I'm not sure. I don't feel like Aaron Rodgers held back in post game either. He was very clear that yeah, he hated it. He hated those play calls. So, yeah. uh, so well, I think that any any other game this year, that is the correct call. But you now just have 58 minutes of proof that Aaron Rodgers is back behind center, like. Like give him the ball. Yeah. 
Yeah, or two-minute format. I mean, he uh, Rogers even was talking about his rhythm, and he's right. He was in a rhythm. Yeah, he was. Let him, let him, let him cook. Let him cook. <laughs> I knew <laughs> someone was gonna say. It never goes badly when we start doing that. Let's ride. Um, okay, so just a few more notes before we get to the Titans. Devontae Wyatt. I know he left the game with an injury briefly there, uh, but um, yeah, he came back and it sounds like he was pretty good. He had a good game. They should play him more. It's, yes, it's weird they don't. He has <laughs> coming coming into this game. He had like as many pressures as Kenny Clark in like one tenth of the snaps. Yep, who's had a a rough couple weeks worth noting. Also, Kenny mm. Kenny not been there lately. It's a little well, little disconcerting. Kenny, he's he's plugging gaps, but he's not getting to the quarterback. Yeah, so. I don't know. Maybe it's scheme. I, I that one. I D line play is a is a damn mystery to me. It is Devontae Wyatt's PFF grade pretty high, by the way. Uh, not super high, but sixty six point three with a uh, seventy three pass rush grade. Small sample size, but he has he's popped when he's on the field. So they should find w- ways to get him on the field more often. Kenny Clark forty ninth. Um, not uh, not ideal. Supposed to be top ten. That guy. Uh. I don't know. I, I, I'm asking this earnestly. Is it because <laughs> he gets the attention as the only, you know, fully competent member of the defensive line? Yeah, I think so. I think mostly that, but uh, I, I don't know that it's necessarily all that. His, by the way, Clark's grade, is, his highest part of his grade is his pass rush. So um, to the extent PFF's grading that, honestly, that's still there. However, he, his run defense grade is atrocious. It's 46.3. And, uh, I do wonder if maybe he's uh, saving up for the big plays a little bit and just just being a kind of half-assed gap eater on on a lot of other ones. And uh, I, I wouldn't even necessarily blame him too much for doing so. Weird game for Jair Alexander. Uh, was yeah. it? Yeah. He struggled. He fell down for a big reception to Gallup and wasn't always, you know, was on Gallup a lot. Uh, interesting stuff. Weird game, and definitely to fell down quite a few times. Made Savage look bad on a play where he wasn't. Um, yeah, the uh, the CD Lamb touchdown. Yep, that was uh, supposed to be Jair, and he did not get there. Um, yeah, they were playing. They were playing what appeared to be cover six, and so it ended up being quarter quarter nobody. <laughs> that uh, obviously doesn't work, uh, so you can't do that. But not not one of his best games. He's been inconsistent this year. Like when he's been on and focused, he has been legitimately really good. But he's had a couple of off games uh, that are uncharacteristic for him. So don't know why. Some people just have slumps once in a while. I do wonder sometimes if he does get sick of their non-man coverage that they run and loses interest a little bit when he's on mm-hmm. lesser receivers for a bit. I can I can see getting bored by that. But uh, yeah, not a great game for him at all. Um, he uh, okay, but I mean he he gave up a pass to Dalton Schultz who was standing directly in front of that him. was that was egregious he looked like he was running in molasses on that play because Dalton Schultz always looks like he's running in molasses all the time uh, maybe he's hurt or something but I don't know it, bad, bad hopefully he bounces back but bad Jair game not good well I mean he doesn't really have to cover anybody in this game right uh actually they have good tight ends they have a good tight end but no they have, Jair's they, not gonna, they have two good tight ends He's not going to cover tight end. I thought we were talking about like, Dalton Schultz. He discovered Dalton Schultz was running to the boundary, so he ended up in Jair's. But yes, they have call. they have no good receivers. That is correct. Tennessee has absolutely no good receivers at all. Should be okay on that front. <laughs> They've got a battering ram at a running at running back that everyone knows about. 
They got a good rush defense. Uh, bad at stopping deep passes. Maybe we see more of that. More Christian Watson this, this Thursday. That is a good way to attack them. Their outside corners are lackluster. Safety is pretty good. Um, so they have a the negative. But they, they have a a one hundred and ten percent DVOA on deep passes. Uh, positives are bad for defenses. Positives are very bad. Yeah, that's very very bad. That's that's a way um, to go after them. Something that worries me. Yep. Uh, Cowboys played cover one pretty much like the whole game. Um, it's the most man that the Packers have seen. Yep. Teams are now going to know that man's not going to work. I just I worry that that this is a flash in the pan. Could be. Could be. Guess who plays the most cover two in the league? Oh God. <laughs> it, it is in fact Tennessee. Yes, that is right. Um. Well, poop. Yes. Yeah, I don't. I, I guess I would again need to be convinced that. It's a it's a good win. It's their best win of the year, I would say for sure. I don't think that's debatable. Um, but they have won four games out of ten, and two of them were in overtime at home. You know, like true grand scheme, it's still not a great resume. It still doesn't strike me that this is pop. That, you know, just because they got better doesn't mean I think they're suddenly a playoff team. Well, because they, I, I do not. If the season ended today, they have plummeted down to the fourteenth pick. Ah, depressing that was a top 10 team coming into the Dallas game (laughs) uh but then if they beat Tennessee it it doesn't matter because now they actually might be a playoff team so it's uh yep things shift quickly oh did did you hear we got our shenanigan soundbite so Uh, we've had we've had run the table we've had relax this year we have we're not dead eh, not as inspiring it's not as inspiring though if you're going to say that, you have to say it with a British accent and a high-pitched voice a la Monty Python. All the wait, wait, no, wait, wait, get? What's your next run? Getting Thursday. better. Getting <laughs> better? It's been a flesh wound. Um, I'm, I'm okay with it if it's in British. Can yeah. we do that? That's, we, can that's do British. we can do British. If it's in British, like it's a different language. <laughs> should, should mention one important thing about the Tennessee Titans wide receiver core, which is bad. Um, last game... Uh, I, I don't know how to pronounce this. I'll do my best. Uh, Nick Westbrook Ikene, um, an Indiana uh, grad, an undrafted free agent, went absolutely bananas against Denver and had two touchdowns and a whole bunch of yards after doing nothing for the rest of the year. Um, but uh, I don't know if it's a breakout game or a random one-off, but it was against a good defense, and the rest of the receivers are terrible. So I got to keep an eye on a uh, former Big Ten guy, big dude, um, not particularly fast, like all Big Ten receivers, um, but uh, he was their star last week when they is did he, defeat the is Broncos. Is he Devin Funchess? He's kind of Funchessy, yeah. I haven't played fantasy football in years, but one one famous year in the mid aughts, Drew Bennett, Tennessee wide receiver, caught three touchdowns on the last day of the season. Ah, uh, yeah. Enabled enabled me to win my fantasy league by a single point over my good friend and rival. Get me into the playoffs. I was otherwise out. And uh, I don't remember what I did in the playoffs, and the story's already boring because it's my fantasy team. But <laughs> Drew Bennett will live forever. Tennessee receiver Drew Bennett, out of nowhere, will live forever in my personal lore. He was brilliant. Uh, he burned bright. So um, this week in fantasy football, I have uh, Geno Smith, Josh Jacobs, Justin Jefferson, Stephon Diggs, uh, Amon Ross St. Brown. I scored 228 points. Oh, that's a lot of points. <laughs> yeah. And nice work. My poor stuff. my poor stepbrother scored 90. It was a it was a massacre. Nice. Yeah. 
you got to save those, my tub. You got to spread them out. It's no good all at once. <laughs> Patreon question. Shall we do it? Let's do it. All right. Patreon, of course, if you are if you are a patron, thank you, by the way. And you, you get question priority. Uh, Mark Putscarby, we'll start with you again. When do we start talking about Kenny Clark? He's seemingly been invisible this year. Oh, well, we earlier on this right podcast. Now. <laughs> He he's been kind of bad. the The pass rush has not even been there lately. A lot of that pass rush grade is old pass rush grade, um, and there's probably some wear down in addition to everything else we talked about. Um, that line gets gashed. They end up going backwards a lot. They're not well anchored, and their linebackers uh, are not good behind them, especially without C- Campbell there. Whenever you're kind of splitting attention and splitting your responsibility, um, it it impacts your performance. You want to be able to trust the guys behind you. And anytime you can't, anytime you start to lose trust in the players behind you, it takes away a little bit of what you're doing. So I think a lot of that goes into Kenny as well. But he could use some help. Um, he uh, He's kind of a one-man show there, and it's starting to, I think, show up a little bit. Tom Haight says, uh, is, is there anything to take away from this game in regards to the offense? Obviously, Watson popped, but did the Packers do anything differently to have success? We And we've kind of talked about some of the play calling. Yeah. Play and, action. Uh, play action, yeah. Play action, absolutely. More under center work, more more traditional runs and play action. It was uh, a much more much more Lafleur game uh, mm-hmm. in that in that uh, in that respect. Uh, Sean Griffin cites the statistic that our our brother in arms, Tyler Brook, who wrote a book, pointed out on Twitter <laughs> that Amari Rogers has more fumbles in eight than catches seven. Will he be on the roster at the end of the season? Uh, I know we talked about him already a little bit. I I think he might be on the roster at the end of the season. Personally. I think he will too. He's still on it right now, so I think he will I'll, be. I'll be, the... I'll be upset if he's active on Thursday. Yeah, me too. I guess you you do have to. I mean, is Jawan Winfrey? I would say you probably Jawan Winfrey is a logical replacement here. They, you know, they have to promote him to the fifty three if they want to use him again. Winfrey. Mm-hmm. It seems like he's probably a better bet than than Amari Rogers. So they do have a replacement. Yeah, I feel like Amari Rogers has also held on because he's like the slot backup but Randall Cobb is out and he's not the slot backup Alan Lazard's the slot backup and oh, really and the slot it, starter according to an inside source who spoke directly to Randall Cobb he expects to play on Thursday Ooh, fun and he would have played on Sunday if he wasn't on IR yeah he is in fact eligible to do so so that is that is good news for the, mm-hmm. for the Packers uh, Andrew Merker also asking if Amari has been cut yet. Would it have been more beneficial <laughs> to actually have no one returning punts? Serious question. You do yes, agree this? Absolutely. <laughs> it would have. And pretty rush. But you don't have to have no one. You can just have a, a guy who can catch. That also would work. Like the Packers once had Mike Pryor, uh, a an elderly white safety return punts for most of a season just because he it caught it every well. time. Yeah. Do you yeah. remember when they had Jamal Williams uh, returning kicks just because he was going to catch it and now fumble? No. I do, actually. actually. I do remember that. <laughs> Jamal Williams uh, as kickoff returner. It was... he's, he's not fast, but he won't drop it. Uh, Appleton Coffee Company says, was this really a win, or did the refs hand the win to the Packers asking for a friend? I assume that's relating to the non-pass interference call against Jair Alexander late in the game. Yeah, I didn't notice too many controversial calls or non-calls in this game, so um, I'm not even sure what it, what it's referring to, but it could be that. Um, so, Jair, in his like 
pseudo game ceiling pass defense. People think that that was a uh, um, uh, pass interference. It was. But what's really <laughs> funny is the um, there was some pretty obvious uh, false start happening on the uh, CD Lamb touchdown. So, you know, tit for tat. Yep, it happens. Oh, and also, um, I've been I was supposed to say this for like the last month. Shout out to Chris Orth because of uh, it's a friend of Steve's. So I, oh, <laughs> okay, okay. For like the last month, I'm like, yeah, I'll do it, and then I I keep forgetting. So all right, shout out to Chris Orth. Whoa, I dropped my phone. <laughs> yeah, I saw the uh, the broadcast making a big deal of that of that false start. I mean, it didn't really impact the play. I'm, I'm always dubious of. Well, there should have been a call, even though it had nothing to yeah. do with the outcome. With I don't that. know. Yeah, but Jayer could have been like, that's why I didn't go into my my half, my deep half. Okay. I guess. I guess. <laughs> I don't know. They always feel it's it's like when there's a there's a slight hold away from the play that gets called. It's like, come on. It, you okay, know, well, I, what what's the thing in baseball that pitchers do? Balk. Balk? Balk? Yeah. And it's like, how is that different? Well, a balk presumably deceives the runner and into uh, de- is deceptive, un- un- unfairly deceptive. Yeah. So it does, in fact, impact the play because it, it makes the runner confused. Well, this made the D line confused. Okay. okay. All right. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Jay Google says, "What percentage of snaps was Rogers under center versus Dallas compared to the last four games?" Seems like it was quite a bit more. And how important was that to a Packer victory yesterday? Infinity more and infinity more. It was quite a bit more. It was, uh, it's been zero a lot. So Matt's um, somewhat jesting infinity is actually kind of true. Um, (laughs) But would you believe that I wasn't jesting and I knew that? Yes, I would. It's, uh, it helped a lot. It made a huge difference in the game. It helped their run game. It helped uh, their deep passing game a ton and they should do it a ton more. It's a good cover two beater too. When they actually get to that, uh, it it can suck safeties up w- and create space behind them. It can do a lot, a lot of fun stuff. So um, they should they should go back to it a lot. Well, especially against a team that plays more cover two yep. than any other in the NFL. Aaron Savage asks, "How can you ever feel like you know anything about this dumb sport when the same <laughs> team could score nine against the Lions then put up thirty one against the Cowboys?" This is why I quit fantasy years ago. I am with you, Aaron Savage. Yep. I, it is absolute. It is it is bullshit nonsense. I agree. It's a ridiculous sport where we talk about all these causes and effects that are mostly just random nonsense and um, unpredictable, and guys being in bad moods one day or waking up on the wrong side of the bed or um, other things that we can't even ever possibly predict. It not it's a complete nonsense sport. That's why it's great. The loss to the Lions is very special. It's so dumb. I still can't that believe it happened. Well, no, I knew. I believe it happened because when is the last time the Packers have played a normal game against the Lions? It's often not, but just you could just have a nor- a non-normal game where you score eighty points. How about that instead of <laughs> nine? That would that Fair you can enough. do that too. I mean, when they miss the playoffs by a game, you're just going to have to look at that Lions game and be like, how did they lose? Like the Bears just played the Lions and put up, what, 31 points on them? And all they did was just run, 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 run. That's all you have to do. (laughs) And I mean, they, they, you know, again, the Lions ran up the score on the Bears. Like, they're a good offense, and the Packers held them in check. The Packers. Yes, they did. Their defense was fine. The the two reds, it just doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make any sense. So annoying. And, And the David Bakhtiari goal line fade. Ah, oh, 
<laughs> okay, let's let's stop talking about that game now. You know, when sure. when we miss when we miss the playoffs by one game, we can blame the Bakhtiari goal. We played the we, Lions the last week should. of the season too, right? It would, it, yeah, it'll be the back. To, that's that's a perfectly good thing to pull. And also, if it comes it, it comes down to the Lions again, I'll be just so mad. Yeah, <laughs> season the season we can now blame a season ending on Bakhtiari's knee exploding. And then also on a pass to Bakhtiar. It all it all comes back to, yeah. to number sixty-nine. Uh Chris Richard says it, it all is comes this back to Ari. <laughs> well done, yeah. That was that was really good. I feel like the sixty-nine um, reference kind of took care of that itself. Never mind. That's too much. I don't want to get any more in depth. Lock, Let's go. A lot on. going on right yeah. now. A lot going on. Is there a corner is this a corner turning game? Asks Chris Richards. Or just a nice <laughs> moment on the way to his seven and ten season. Yeah, it was corner turning because Christian Watson was turning them corners. Am yeah. I right? They did stuff that they could build on and and actually get better. But also, football is unpredictable nonsense. So it's probably a nice moment on the way to a seven and ten season. But if they are <laughs> smart and um, can win one of the games versus the Eagles or Dolphins, then they can still do something. I just don't. I don't trust them yet. I need more. Show me more. The issue has always been, and it continues to be, that the NFC is ass. Yes, correct. And uh, cheeks er- is is the word I've been using. Ergo, the Packers are not eliminated. <laughs> they are not out of it. Nope. And if, you know, it is possible that that was a five-game ridiculous lull, and they come out of here winning, you know, six of seven or whatever. Two thousand ten. Yeah, <laughs> I love so much. That you were talking about them being ass, and then followed up. <laughs> Very vis a vis the NFC being ass. Ergo, I feel like that is that is a little bit of the brand of this podcast, yeah. meshing the complete inane, bro adjacent <laughs> bullshit with Shakespeare. Yep, that works. It is. We get we get all the references. We get them across the board. That is our our raison d'être. Uh, raison d'être. <laughs> Um, <laughs> Bill Robbie says Watson uh, Watson equals MVS, not Adams. Lazard equals Cobb, not Adams. Do they need an Adams? Where or how do they get an Adams? Watson's not MVS. He's like uh, MVS with a little Adams. And Lazard isn't Cobb. He's like a, a Cobb that's crossed with Cooper Cup. He's big Cobb. He's big Cobb, exactly. So Lazard is kind of unique. It's hard to like. I don't know what what is the comp for Lazard if we if we pick a real human being. Jeez, uh, uh, early career Devin Funches. He is very close to Devin Funches. It, it's it's actually true. They're both giant, not that fast receivers. Matt's actually good call, but he's he's a weird player. You're right because he's not a tight end. He's smaller than tight ends, but he's kind of shaped like one. Like yep. he just looks enormous. When well, you know what's there. funny is he's actually he's not even like that slow. He's not. He's not. He's not. For his he's size, not egre- he's not. Egre- he's not egregiously slow. And he is like explosive and all that good stuff. I was just gonna pull up mock draftable comps because Kent, Kent needs to fix the Raz comps. They're not there anymore. Oh, hey! Um, speaking of uh, mock draftable comps, I found one today that I thought was absolutely hilarious. Yeah, why don't you talk about that while I look up this? Hey, hey Jr. Yeah. <laughs> I looked up Ty Montgomery on Mock Draftable. Okay. Do you know his number one comp? I mean, you're going to tell me, so do it. Debo Samuel. <laughs> <laughs> so it they turns had, out the Packers really did have four men's they, Debo. They had four men's Debo. 
So <laughs> Al, Al Lazard's number one comp is Kenny Galladay, which doesn't That's seem okay. His number two comp is Equinemius. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's perfect. They have a type, and his number three comp is new. It's Drake London, which is actually I think a good comp. I think that makes a lot of sense. Drake London is also a giant, not that fast receiver um, who plays a very similar game. I, I actually like that one a lot. I want to bring up for the folks listening at home that when you mentioned Drake London, Jr. and I both did the exact same like uh, white guy not frown shaking your head back and forth. <laughs> That is true. <laughs> kind of see it. Yeah. yeah. Um, to to get back to Bill's question and, and sort of try dig a little deeper. If if they had if Devontae Adams hadn't walked away, or walked away is the wrong word, but hadn't wanted out, is is this team markedly better? I, I don't know if we have evidence to say that's for sure the case. I'm not uh, uh, yeah, I mean they probably they probably are. Uh, I think with Devontae Aaron play calling, even if it's not that efficient even if there's some decline, they probably beat a lot of the garbage teams that they should have beaten on the first half. Like they probably do beat the Giants and they probably do beat the Commanders and um, that that probably helps them do that. But it might limit their ceiling a little bit. If the Packers win two of those like terrible four teams, they're the sixth seed right now. Exactly. So uh, I do think it matters, but I'm not sure. uh, I'm not going to say you'd rather have the current group because Devontae is special. Um, but I, I, I'll be interested to see what they do with Watson and Lazard together over the next few games and see if they can actually turn this into a bit of a high-flying offense. I think it's at least yeah. possible. Not, not saying it's a sure thing by any stretch. It's one-game sample, but I think that the possibility for something more dynamic is there. Yeah, I guess also we don't know what the quarter, who the quarterback will be or what the situation is going yeah. forward. So like, and we also are assuming Devontae would be good Devontae had he stayed on the Packers. Um, there's no sure thing that it's just the Raiders that are screwing Devontae over there. There may be some decline. He's hitting uh, an age where receivers sometimes do take a step back, and he's a weird athletic profile. Um, it, it may be that he is less effective than he used to be, too. Um, here's a good question from Scarf21. I don't mean to be too much of a Debbie Downer, but how worried are you guys about Rashawn Gary's future? He's a guy who relies so much on his athleticism, so his ACL injury scares the hell out of me. Uh, you guys talked about this last week, how, yeah. how how that injury in particular is really tough for somebody like him. I'm I'm pretty pretty scared, pretty worried. Yes, um, he is a special player because of his athleticism. That is the worst injury you can have uh, in terms of your athleticism, possibly not returning. Uh, I disagree. Uh, well, you can disagree in a second, but um, you also lose a year of Rashawn Gary, which is also not good. That's that's huge as well. That takes up time that you could be getting prime Rashawn Gary. And uh, I, I think for a little more polished player, it would matter less. But I think for him, it is a big deal. It, it's like Clay Matthews never developed old man skills as a pass rusher. He was just a, we won't libel, like we did almost that one time. Uh, he was a super great athlete, and then he became less of a great athlete, and there was nothing there to make up for it. And Rashawn Gary, I think, could get better as time goes on. But right now, he's mostly just a monster. And if he's less of a monster, he won't be nearly as good. I, I think coming back from an Achilles is worse than an Do you ACL. really? I feel like the Achilles usually comes back better. So before Cameron Wake, no one came back from Achilles. After that, everyone did. Um, ACL injury, I think the worst part is actually the time because he is going to come back and he's going to be 
you know, 80% of himself. We've seen it with Elton Jenkins. We've seen it with Bakhtiari. Yep. And then you lose a year of his pure athleticism due to age. And yeah, like, so we've probably seen peak Rashawn Gary, but he might come back and be decent. Yeah, but that sucks. It absolutely does suck. Like, but I, I, just, I don't think it's like the end of his career. Um, It's not libel if it's spoken. It's just slander. Patrick Detmer <laughs> says... Patrick Detmer says, is Rudy Ford actually competent or are we being desensitized to safety play after watching Darnell Savage the last two years? The dude has been on the roster since August 31st. Just a week ago, Joe Barry said they didn't have anyone that could play the safety position. If they move Savage to the slot, does Ford's performance dispel the myth? So, yes, with some qualifications. that um, <laughs> <laughs> He played a great game, and getting two interceptions is amazing. Uh, but we should always remember Larry Brown, uh, who once had two interceptions in a Super Bowl and was Super Bowl MVP. Super Bowl MVP, not a good player. Uh, <laughs> um, interceptions can disguise a lot, and uh, I don't think Ford is necessarily any kind of star or anything like that. But I think he's clearly better than Darnell Savage. Uh, yeah, it's one game, but he is a bigger hitter, and to the extent that he has liabilities with discipline in the back end or quick reactions or anything. More than made up for by the stuff he does that Savage doesn't do. So, yeah, it does dispel it. Don't expect him to be making all pro teams, but he is a better option. Absolutely. Uh, Ryan Ziegler says, I didn't realize my question last week was going to be a riddle, but here we are. <laughs> We're going to win our way to a middle spot in the draft and screw it up, aren't we? This feels like the Packers way. Looks pretty likely, yeah. Um, I don't know. Uh, there's probably no more complex way to answer that. Uh, they have found their stride. It's going to be hard for them to make the playoffs. They look like a good good bet for that, like, 15th or so pick. Yes, yeah. that's correct. <laughs> yeah, they're going to be drafting, like, 15th, 16th. And they're going to take, like, an offensive lineman with a bad back. Yep, something like that. I thought that we had misremembered the number of people who were clamoring for the Packers to trade up for Justin Jefferson. Oh, it was so many. I know I did. <laughs> it was, I went back and looked, and I got to tell you, there are a number of people who were begging the Packers to trade up. Yep. For Justin Jefferson. I thought about that again this week as I watched Justin Jefferson make catches that are not humanly possible. No, no, he was that catch. He won. We OBJ catch something through a man's we, hands. We need to talk about that catch for just a second and give Jefferson oh my credit God. for it. It's one of the best catches I've ever seen. Uh, it, it's just hard to describe. Go watch it. But uh, any other receiver, the ball would have at, at minimum touched the ground and maybe he would have completed it by just controlling it as it touched the ground. Not Justin Jefferson. Nope. He, he's got it in one hand. It's like four inches off the ground. No idea how he bent his arm to be, to do that, how he had the strength to do it. it, it just incredible. Absolutely amazing. So part of me thinks that it is the DB pulling on it that's securing it. I think it hand. might have. I think you're right. Like the physics of it is. But still, the fact that he reached up into two the man's two hands and pulled the ball out of it while falling down, it is it is it's just stupid. One of the best uh, Rops uh, Raz combo college receivers of all time had him as my number one receiver that draft, and I uh, really, really wish we would have gotten him. PJ Wessel says, "Short weeks suck." Thanks for, as always for this podcast. Run more, throw less. Who says no? More points, thirty-one than attempts, twenty. I like it. Yeah, <laughs> that's good. Do that. Yeah, they won't. Devlin Sheehan says. <laughs> 
<laughs> Rogers deep ball looked really nice yesterday and his placement on short and intermediate throws considerably better than it's been. It also seems like 12 has been more willing to break the pocket and run for first downs the last yep. few weeks. That yep, is yep, yep. very true. Do these developments allay your concerns about a precipitous physical decline from Rogers. Or are you still concerned that he won't be able to do these things on a consistent basis? Ah, uh, still concerned because, yes. um, what age does it's, it, it's not like you're just consistently 80% of what you were. It's, you wake up and you're just feeling a little stiff or your hamstring is a little buggy or your your hands are stiff or your fingers aren't working quite right. It's all these little things that get into you. And some days are good and some days are bad. So And the weather's going to get cold. So I it's all good to see. The running's been good. The mobility's been good. Um, the, the thumb seems to have healed a bit. He was throwing dimes. All good stuff. Um, I just I, I think that it's likely he will have some stuff happen. And when it gets cold, especially, and maybe revert a little bit down the stretch at some point. What's the Packers dome situation? Going <laughs> That's a good question, games? actually. I don't know if they do. Now they go to Miami, which is house great. of horrors. So that's yeah. Uh, right. That is the only comfortable game that they'll be playing the rest of the way. Uh, you know, obviously they're at home for the Titans. They go to Philly. They go to Chicago. Uh, they'll yep. be at home for the Rams. They're, oh. they're in Miami and then home for the Vikings and the Lions. No more dome games. A lot of Lambeau. A lot of Lambeau. <laughs> Aaron Rodgers over the years, in recent years, has not shown to love late season football and the outdoors. Nope. Um, Which is funny because in the post game, he literally said, it's getting to be Lambeau weather and was saying that like it was a good thing. Yeah. He's lying. JD, on a scale of 1 to 10. <laughs> How disrespectful and ridiculous was Aaron yelling F-bombing Matt on the sideline to the fourth quarter? That was a really bad look. However, credit where credit is due, Aaron played his best game of the season. So we talked about that, how we thought. It was incredibly disrespectful, but it was warm. It was correct. And if you're going to be, you can do it if you're going to be correct, which he was. So that's fine. (laughs) Yes. Uh, KTM, great Packer win following a totally wacky Vikings game. I was watching Adam Thielen, older but still a useful tool for Cousins. Turned out to be a pretty good career. Got me wondering, how does a Thielen and a Lazard get passed over in the draft, and how unlikely is a longtime starting job for a UDFA receiver? Not that unlikely. Uh, I wish I had my spreadsheet still up, but I closed it on accident. Um, There are, um, I believe it's 84 undrafted free agent receivers with at least 400 career yards. Um, there are only like 25 with 500 career yards uh, or more. But there's a lot of good names on that list. Uh, Drew Bennett, actually one of them, previously mentioned on this podcast. Yes! Uh, good call. Two Drew Bennett references. Yes. Um, the uh, the UDFAs who actually do make it and catch on tend to stick for a while. Um, they actually tend to have pretty good careers. So it is not that unlikely. It happens with some regularity. <laughs> and uh, I think there is some selection bias there that if you actually do show enough to catch on as a UDFA, you're sort of ahead of, ahead of like a sixth rounder who has at least a little bit of capital invested on them and who'll have some small amount of sunk cost uh, where you'll get more chances than you otherwise would. UDFAs get cut uh, quickly with regularity if you're not good. Um, and so the good ones really stand out. Uh, I said Tyler Davis earlier on this podcast when I meant to say Tyler Irvin and now Price Trozen uh, also says, would it be too much to see if Tyler Irvin is somewhere, anywhere, or do I finally need to accept that Fetch is never going to happen? I don't think he's coming Irvin's back. Just sit, he's just sitting on his goddamn couch. <laughs> I, I mean, I want, I'm, I'm with you in spirit here uh, as just a return man, but it's just not happening, unfortunately. What are you going to uh, do? This- 
this reminds me to borrow a reference from a movie from a different generation when Harry met Sally, where Carrie Fisher's character continues to reference he's she's never going to leave him. She's never or he's never going to leave her. And 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 the uh, the women around the table look at her and like no one thinks he's going to leave her. You keep bringing it up, but it's just never going to happen. Uh, that is how I feel about this. They're never going to sign him. They're, They're never going to sign him. That is correct. They're not. Uh, Joe Cool says, so much thought goes into Rogers' contract and the team's next steps, but not many people are talking about the very best solution. Aaron Rodgers takes a pay cut. Yes, I'm serious. We've all <laughs> seen the pre and post June 1st mm-hmm. breakdowns if he's traded or retires, but when it comes to him taking a pay cut, people are just like, no way, he's selfish, never going to happen. Maybe I'm naive, but I believe a big reason for this contract was to give himself the leverage he so badly wanted, a way to end things on his terms and give himself more influence in personnel decisions. At the same time, if we bench him or try to trade him to a bad team, I think he's spiteful enough to try to make it as bad for the team as possible. Don't you think he might be willing to take a pay cut if it meant we get to keep his buddy Bakhtiari or bring back Cobb or another difference-making free agent? No way is that guy taking a pay cut. <laughs> not, in, not in a million years. Zero, zero chance. Not having, uh, really quick, some some uh, uh, undrafted free agent receivers with good careers. Wes Welker uh, has the most catches. Uh, Rod Smith, an excellent receiver for the Broncos, Super Bowl champion. Uh, Wayne Krebet, uh, the uh, the Jets receiver, pretty good guy. Um Adam Thielen, previous mentioned Doug Baldwin, an excellent receiver for the Seahawks, uh, and uh, Nate Washington, okay, um, and Drew Bennett, of course, as previously mentioned as well. So th- th- quite a few good ones. Nate Washington's only okay. He's he's okay. He's not great. He's fine. Um, going back to this question, I how often does that happen? I know Tom Brady gets credit for taking less money to bolster the team around him, but. I've always been under the impression that the majority of what we view as quote unquote pay cuts are actually just restructures they are. that work out just as good for the player in the loss. Also, there are people who take pay cuts and they aren't quarterbacks. They are. That is correct. It's very rare to see it an actual pay cut. It happens once in a blue moon and it is, uh, it's usually a fringe guys um, on like the lines or something like that. No, Aaron Rodgers, first of all, I'm not sure that the union would let Aaron Rodgers take a pay cut at his in his current standing. I, I'm not sure. I mean, they can't tell him no, 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 but um, they can put a lot of pressure on him. And it's Aaron Rodgers is not taking a pay cut. It's ridiculous on its face. Uh, he's clearly concerned with being like the highest paid quarterback. It's a thing that drives him. It's not going to happen. He's not doing it. I think it's a really good question, though. It I is. I think it's a fair question. He probably should, <laughs> but he's not going to. <laughs> All right, Flaley Joel Osment, is Darnell Savage a three-down blitzer? Which other bubble players can we ground to dust as a substitute for creative scheming? <laughs> Darnell Savage can't turn to dust if he never hits anything. That's true. He, he he is awful at blitzing. He just runs up field as fast as he can and gets he gets uh, uh he gets fackled. He gets just blasted out of the play. That's just how he. He does it, so um, yeah, it's 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 brutal. Um, it occupies a guy. He tried. He tried to strip the ball on fourth and one when yep. it was fourth and one. Like, what is it? What does a forced fumble get you there when you could just tackle the guy? He put his energy toward trying to take the ball instead of pulling Dak Prescott back away from the line of scrimmage. Yep, massively confusing. He's doing it for the FF on his stat line. That's the only explanation. Uh, yep, we've got a saying in the Upper Peninsula of Michigan: "Strong like bull, smart like tractor." Yes, sad. All right, Twitter question. Sam says, "Well, hold up, hold up. Where's the old man on a bike? Not here. Oh, he's not old man here. on a bike isn't a patron anymore. Ooh, hiss. 
That's my favorite part of the podcast. <laughs> Old man on a bike, please come back. You are hilarious. Could you brighten my day? Uh, all right. Sam says, does Watson really make a, that big a difference in the offense, or were there any big schematic changes that allowed for us to find more success? Uh, we have kind of talked about yeah. this. The answer is yes and yes. Yes, that's correct. He does make a huge difference. Having an outside deep threat is huge. It opens up everything else. Keep doing it. Jonathan Deal says part of coaching is putting the best guys on the field for the best chance of success. Coaches know the guys on their pros and cons better than anyone, but how do the coaches not identify Rudy Ford as a better safety than Savage, who's a better slot guy, and keep putting Amari out for punts? (laughs) One thing Archon mentions a lot in Acme Packing Company Slack is that the lack of actual hitting practices does have a substantial impact on the team's ability to self-scout. There's just not a lot of action compared to what there used to be to do evaluations but that said we can all tell these things so (laughs) um, uh, certain teams are better at self-scouting and critical self-scouting than others are and it is a bit of a business process to be good at it uh, to actually do uh, more rigorous evaluations and grading and then go with your conclusions have the confidence to actually do that one of the reasons that the Seahawks are often uh, nerds hate the Seahawks. They hate Pete Carroll. They think he runs too much. Uh, they think he uh, got Russell killed back there. But one of the reasons Pete Carroll is often good is that the Seahawks seem to be really good at that. They seem to be really good at self-scouting, uh, at elevating guys that are lower draft picks, even if they are lower draft picks, uh, to their benefit. Uh, in fact, Russell Wilson had his job for that very reason uh, over Matt Flynn, who they paid an arm and a leg to. So, um, the Packers aren't good at it. They are definitely a little bit uh, beholden to draft position and money and don't seem to give an honest evaluation to their struggling players. It lets them stay out their way too long and, until they get pressured um, from the outside or from Aaron, who's got a guy in his lap all the time. So um, it's something they should improve on. It is a, an organizational problem, and it's bad, and it's cost them a ton. That's all the questions we got, friends. Uh, right. We got one question on Discord. Uh, what uh, is it? it? Okay. I'm not Loco, even Loco Pabs says, why is Amari? And it has three 100 emoji reactions. Uh, because he's Amari. Randall Cobb's stepson or something. I don't know. <laughs> he's Randall Cobb. Or he's Randall Cobb's godson. I think that's where it's. He's actually T. Martin's son, right? Is that right? I think so. Yeah. Is this better? Or remember the season where Mason Crosby had that disaster game and was so bad. It's like they'll never bring back Mason Crosby, <laughs> and then he was good for the next five to six years. Are we in the same place with Amari Rogers, or has he sunk below well, that? Do you remember? Point? Do you remember who turned it around for Mason? Uh, no, tell me. It's Greg Jennings. Wait, what? A- after Mason missed his like third kick against the Lions, he was on the sideline, and Greg Jennings started tickling him, and then he was good again. Okay. Wow. <laughs> that literally happened. <laughs> <laughs> all right. All right. All right. So we're the done. The more you know. Uh, we're done. Have a Thursday game. There'll be, <laughs> be, I'm going to do, I'm going first. Uh, there'll be the mini pod on Thursday morning. I already recorded it. So if there's any injuries or anything like that, tough. Um, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, that'll be out then. And uh, um, doing plugs went out, by the way. Um, I was on As Goes Wisconsin again today um, with uh, Dan Schaefer filling in for Kristen, but uh, it was fun, and I like that they have me on there. It's a good show. Everybody should listen to it all the time and watch it when it's on there. And uh, I am quantifying how bad Amari Rogers is for Acme Packing Company right now. That'll be out later this week. Uh, Shepherd Express recap is out there as well, and uh, that'll do it for me. Jer, anything good? 
Well, Leroy Butler is going on the facade at Lambeau Field during this game against the Titans halftime, I believe. I'm actually not sure what, when the, what the timeline is, but um, actually hoping to talk to Leroy this week. But in, uh, in light of that, this project that I was working on in the summer is finally ready to drop the best Wisconsin athlete at each jersey number, 0 to 99. Uh, it's been done before. It's not a novel concept by any means, but uh most the most recent one i saw from uni watch really was just pro athletes so i try to have i've got the college guys in there too so there's some badgers there's bucks there's packers obviously there's brewers and there's you know a few a few others from some 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 off uh you know <laughs> get some, some outside the box places get some wave in there uh you got victor nagara victor nagara is on the list, oh my god baby. okay <laughs> yes, yeah. victor nagara is on the list and like he deserves to be like i, I don't i don't have outside the box just to like be weird or whatever there there's no victor naguera was awesome i, I just I was going for a he deep was. cut <laughs> victor naguera is on the list that'll teach me to out deep cut jr <laughs> foolish uh, yeah, endeavor that's, that's probably one of the deeper cuts it's true uh but uh that should be dropping sometime soon I, I don't know exactly when but uh but hopefully hopefully in the next day or two all right sweet i can't wait to read that now that i know victor naguera is on it um, <laughs> but matt how about you nope <laughs> um still working my still working my way through the uh buffalo the- trace distillery <laughs> That's <about> it. <laughs> okay so matt's drinking whiskey uh highly recommend that as well all right uh that'll do it for us uh it is a short week we have a thursday game we'll be back next week at normal times uh actually i guess it's thanksgiving week we somebody will be back next week we'll figure something out, <laughs> yeah, we'll figure something out. but until then enjoy the game Sunday.